Good morning. Thank you for tuning in and listening to Driven to the Cross, a radio broadcast as part of Christ Covenant Church in McAllen, Texas. I'm your host, Dr. Alfred Fisher. And I am very blessed that we have the opportunity, the privilege to share this morning with you. I'm so glad that you tuned in. I hope that you'll come down and see us at 1030. So, you know, right after this broadcast, why don't you finish drinking your coffee and getting dressed and come on down. We're located at 1320 West Norlana Avenue in McAllen, Texas. We would love to meet you. Our service starts there at 1030. Our Sunday school is at 9, so come on down. You can check us out and get to know us. We'd love to get to know you. Why don't we pray this morning? Our Father in heaven, Father, what a privilege it is, a precious privilege to be able to call on you, to come before you, to thank you for being who you are, to thank you, Lord, for being the God that spoke creation into existence, the very God who ordained time, who established the law, who established the rule, who established order, who caused us. Lord, we thank you, for you called us each by name. We thank you because you are worthy. We are not. Lord, I want to ask you to hear our prayer. I want to ask you to heal our land. I want to ask you to bring your banner upon this nation. I want to ask you, God, to just move in the lives and the hearts of individuals upon our leaders. Father, that you would bind up the principalities, that you would bind up the brokenhearted, that you would give food and succor to the poor and the needy, the famished, that you would use your vessels to do so. But Lord, as you bind up our government, that you would cause the things that are contrary to your word and to your will, Lord, to be held in check, to be vanquished, that you would be glorified, that this truly would be one nation under God. Father, this year has been one, as many have said, for the record books, for the history books. And we know that you're still in control, that you're guiding us, that you're protecting us, that you are giving us strength to endure. And so we look to you for all things. Help us to understand more of who you are. Help us to be faithful. Strengthen us where we are weak. Forgive us of our sins and our trespasses. Lord, I ask that you would guide and direct every person who hears this broadcast. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this morning, my friends, we are beginning a new series. Was that a sigh of relief I heard? I hope not. <laughs> no, we're beginning a new series. We just finished up our series on the session of Christ. And now I'm going to be walking with you as we begin to understand the Trinity. 
Well, what is a trinity? The trinity is a triune God. Still too complicated? Okay. The trinity is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Three distinct, yet one. And we see this throughout Scripture, not just in the New Testament, but also in the Old. And each part of the Trinity has distinct function, distinct purpose, distinct office, but yet is one God. You see, there are some who used to say that Christianity was polytheistic because we would espouse, or we do espouse, that of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. However, when you look at Scripture, it's very clear to see that they are one. Then you end up with what's called the Unitarian or the Oneness Theology, teaching that, oh, there is no division in Godhead in the Trinity. There is no separation, no individuality. It's just one. And then you have things or heresies as well that teach that Jesus isn't actually completely God. He's just a demigod or a minor god. Well, that's prevalent in your Jehovah's Witness. Or what, what about what about the Seventh-day Adventist movement? Well, they teach that Michael the Archangel is Jesus. And then we go into a whole other realm if you look at Mormonism and their view of the Godhead, that if you look at their statement of faith where it says, as man is, God once was, as God is, man may become, well, that means that you yourself would go and become a God, and then you get into their theology, which is a whole other topic. Which, by the way, should you guys want to know more about that, let me know. And I'll be happy to teach on the fallacies of the Mormon church in regards to that of Christendom. All right. So, the Trinity, the triune God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost. Who are they? What do they do? Are they found in Scripture? Are they found in the Old Testament? Are they found in the New Testament? Or is this just something that people do to try and... Uh, I understand the different aspects of a deity. Well, my friends, we are followers of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Well, let's take a look in Scripture, shall we? Now, some of you may not be using a King James version of the Bible, and so some of your translations will not have the following verses. Some of them will be omitted or changed or um, referenced to in footnotes. So bear with me. If you don't see this in your Bible, well, it is in the King James. We are going to the epistle of 1 John. Now, one thing I want to address before we begin on this, is that the epistle of 1 John, written to the early church, 
was written to address the issue of Gnosticism that was creeping into the, uh, the church. And so, you have to understand in context, he is emphatically proving the validity, the reality of Jesus the Christ. So let us begin in 1 John chapter 5. And we're going to start at verse 1 because I want you again to have context. Now, this is a section of Scripture that marks the new birth for the believer and the importance of keeping the commandments of God. So, hear me out. 1 John 5, verse 1. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that begat, loveth him also, that is begotten of him. Now, if we were to stop right there, understand something. This shows the new birth. This shows that if you believe in Jesus the Christ, the Son of God, well, then you are a child of God. You are adopted into the family of God. But did you notice how that verse ended? Let's look at this. Everyone that loveth him that begat, in other words, that fathered, right? Also loveth that is begotten, who is born of. So if you are If you love the Father, you're going to love the Son. First sign. By this, we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world And this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world? But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. This is he that by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood, And it is the Spirit that beareth witness, because the Spirit is truth. Here, before we get into our next section, our next part of of Scripture, you saw the Father, you saw the Son, and you saw the Holy Ghost. And it even Scripture even went on and said something about the role. Did you catch that? About the role, about the purpose, about the function of the Holy Ghost. What was that? And it is the Spirit that does what? That beareth witness. Why? Because the Spirit is truth. Now, 
this is the part that some of your Bibles, if you have the NIV, um, if you have uh, some of the New American Standard or the ASV um, Amplified, some of these others are not going to have these next few verses, or they're going to be very truncated, meaning very short and compact, and not necessarily the totality of what you're going to see in the next couple of verses in the King James. So here we are. Verse 7 reads as follows. For there are three. Did you, did you catch that? There are three, not two, not one. There are three that bear record in heaven. Okay, three in heaven. Keep that in mind. And then, if we were to read on, they're defined. They're named. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Oh, whoa, wait a minute. What, what does that mean? Well, if you want to believe in the totality of Scripture as I do, if you want to un know that Scripture is final, that Scripture proves Scripture, well, look here at that verse. Look here at that verse. The doctrine of the Trinity is rested here. The understanding that there is a triune God can be clearly seen right here. Let me read that to you again. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. The Trinity. These three are one. And so when we see this, we have to understand, well, who is the Father? And what does it mean by the Word? Well, clearly the Word is Jesus and the Holy Ghost. This doctrine of the Trinity is very crucial for the Christian to understand. And you may be saying, well, preacher, why are you, why are you harping on this? Don't you think we know who Jesus is? Don't you think we know who God is? I mean, we pray. We go to church all the time. Oh, I hope and I pray that that would be true, that you would truly understand. But my friends, if that's the case, then I may not be speaking to you directly. But maybe there's someone else out there who's struggling with their belief. Maybe there's someone out there who 
doesn't necessarily understand or know why these things are. Or maybe you've been in church and think you understand, but you've never done a study to see who the Father is. You've never done a study to see who Jesus is. You've never done a study to understand who the Holy Ghost is. You've never been taught. I can't tell you how many times I've been told that the God of the Old Testament has to be different from the God of the New. Because the God of the Old Testament is so angry. There's so much war. There's so much conflict. So much famine. So much brutality. So many things. And he just seems so angry. And then when we get to the New Testament, oh, well, it's all about kumbaya. Well, it's not about kumbaya. It's not about just getting along. It's about obedience. It's about the sacrifice of Christ. It's about the fulfillment of prophecy. But understand something. The God of the Old Testament is still the God of the New Testament. And yes, the Holy Spirit did function in the Old Testament, not just in the New. We saw that Jesus said, Behold, I will send to you. In the New, promise, right? The Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. The gifts of the Holy Spirit. But you know, he was actively working in the Old Testament. Now listen, I want to take you on into verse 8 and following here really quick. And this is important because this is part of what's called a threefold witness. And there are three that bear witness in earth. The Spirit, and the water, and the blood. And these three agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which hath testified of his Son. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. And he that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of His Son. Now, if we were to stop right there, you can see the doctrine of the Trinity clearly at work. Did you notice it says that the record that God gave, so you have the Father giving record, bearing witness of His Son, and then... If you look just before that, you have that of the Holy Ghost bearing record. And we even saw part of that in our session series regarding Christ and the record of the Holy Spirit bearing witness that we are believers. So why am I taking you through this little bit, this little short walk in Scripture. It's very simple. I want you to start understanding that when you read Scripture critically, 
what you will see is the doctrine of the Trinity throughout. Oh, my friends, my hope, my prayer in this entire series that we are beginning today is that we will gain an understanding, an appreciation, a fervor, a zeal, a passion for who God is. And I want to ask you a brief question. Do you honestly have a hunger or a desire for the things of God? Or is it just something that is kind of a pastime or when it's convenient, you pick it up? Do you actually devote yourself to following Christ? Do you commit yourself to the service of God? Remember in our series on the session, and you may be wondering why I keep referring back to that series. Well, one, we just completed it, but two, it talked a lot about Christ's function and the preparatory work before he was ascended and seated at the right hand of God the Father. And so the idea that we are followers of Christ, committed to Him, committed to His service and care, implies that we have obedience. That obedience means that we have to study, to understand, to show ourselves approved that we would be faithful stewards, able to execute the things that He has commanded for His servants to do. And so the study on the Trinity that we are doing right now, that we have just begun, is one in which we as individuals should commit to. Why? It helps us to know who God is, who our Savior is, the purpose of His Holy Spirit. And why is that part important? The Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives that unction to come unto Christ. If we are not obedient to the witness that He gives, how is it that we are going to be obedient in all things? Many people say, well, I don't don't know how God speaks. Open your Bible. I don't know how God moves. Open your Bible. Pray, serve, get close to Him. But here's where we're going with this. If we can see how each part of the Trinity is represented in Scripture, what that will do is better equip us to be able to witness, better equip us to be able to proclaim through service, through speech, 
It will deepen our faith and our understanding of God. That we would be more in love with Him and hopefully be the witness that will bring others to know Him. My friends, there are so many people who have a false understanding of who God is because they've never been taught. And because they haven't sat down themselves to understand Scripture or to study the Scripture, they don't really know who Jesus is. And so when trials come, and my friends, this is the encouraging part for us, because we have the truth of the Word of God. When trials come, and they will, when persecution comes, and it will, when hard times come around you, and they will, if you have no rooting in the Word of God, you are going to become overwhelmed, beaten down, injured to the point that you seem to lose hope. And this is the point where the Christian should seem very odd because we have the hope. We have the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. It's more than the fact that he died to save our soul. It's more than the fact that he performed miracles. What did he fulfill? You see, that, that goes into a whole other branch that uh, we're, we'll be lightly touching on. But there's a field of study called soteriology. And that soteriology is simply this. It's a fancy theological word for a study of Christ, a study of the Savior. Isn't that what our lives should be about? Isn't that the example that we should give? A study of the Savior. So let me ask you this. What is your soteriology? My friends, our time is coming to a close here this morning. And the encouraging part is this. God still reigns. His word is true. He died to fulfill the law of God. And we are given a promise that whosoever believeth on him shall have everlasting life. For we are saved by grace, not by merit, not by works, but by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. I want to invite you to check out our website, ChristCovenantMcGallon.org. Facebook, Christ Covenant McAllen. YouTube, Christ Covenant McAllen.
and come and check us out. Listen to some of these messages because on in the church service, you're getting an hour. On the radio, you're getting 30 minutes. Would you come check us out, please? Will you come and link arms with us? Will you help us to get the gospel out? Thank you for tuning in. May God bless you. May he keep you. May he encourage you. And may you be faithful in all things. Well, I'm Dr. Alfred Fisher. We'll talk to you again. We'll see you soon. God bless you. Bye-bye.